What's up, Repress Your Family? We are back with another Bible study message for you. And as you all know, we are starting to journey through our theme for this year, Holy, Holy, as we are on a pursuit of holiness this year. Angie Pierce is going to be delivering the very first message in this Holy, Holy series. And in her message, she is dedicated to laying a foundation to help us understand God's holiness. It is what's going to lay the foundation for every single message coming thereafter. We hope and pray that this message resonates with you and empowers you. So let's pray. All right, let's pray real quick and then we will hop straight in. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you for this space, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus made it possible, Lord God, for us to understand what it means for you to be holy, Lord God. We ask that you give all of us an understanding and a recognition of who you are, Lord. We know that you are God because you are God and you are holy because you are God. So Father, I just ask that you open our minds and open our hearts, Lord God, to break down uh, false beliefs, Lord God, to break down incorrect beliefs, Lord God, whatever they may be about who you are in your holiness, Lord God. We ask that we experience your nature as we dive into your word, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to allow us to understand what your word is saying. We give you permission to intercede on our behalf. We give you permission to enter our hearts, into our minds, and take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Lord God, we ask that you forgive us of all sins, Lord God, that we've committed knowingly and unknowingly. And if there's anything, Lord God, in our hearts that would hold us back, Lord God, that would restrict us from gaining an understanding and a seriousness for your holiness, Lord God, we ask that you forgive us in this moment, Lord God. We thank you, we love you, and we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. So um, I'm Angie Pierce, one of the leaders for Read, Pray, Share. Um, excited about this message, excited about this theme overall. So uh, for those who are new, as Kaya said, our theme for the year is called Holy, Holy, right? So a wholeness in our holiness, basically a pursuit of holiness. And we know that this pursuit of holiness is ongoing. This is lifelong on this side of eternity until we go into glory where we will be made perfect uh, and holy uh, for the rest of our lives, right? For the rest of our spiritual lives. So um, this theme, that's our focus, right? Ongoing pursuit of holiness and really taking back what the enemy uh, took in the garden, right? Which was innocence. It was holiness. It was completeness. It was purity. So I want us to keep that image in our head literally all year. Um, this series is going to be pretty long. And so I'm, I'm just so excited about it. So, um, so the focus for this week is God's holiness, you know, for us to truly understand what it means to be holy, for us to understand um, God's original intent for mankind, for all of creation, we have to first understand his holiness. So that's going to be the journey that we take today. Um, I want to forewarn people ahead of time, we're going to be in quite a bit of scripture. So um, if you have your Bible, like your paper Bible, electronic Bible, just know we're going to be flipping. Um, Kaya, I ask if you can uh, jot the scriptures down in the chat, um, just so people can go back to them later if they need to. But I really want us uh, to focus on some of the key points here. So um, the goal of this message, what is the goal? What are we aiming for today? Um, to understand and recognize three things, God's nature as holy, 
the seriousness of God's holy nature and our ability to experience God's holiness in and through Christ, right? So there's three different parts to this. Um, and so there's a couple, my main scriptures, just want to throw that out there uh, so people get kind of a, a picture of what we're doing here, right? So Proverbs 9 and 10, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, but I will be uh, using different translations throughout this message. So Proverbs 9 and 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, right? So what was our goal here? We're trying to get an understanding, right? We're trying to recognize God's holy nature, the seriousness of his nature, and then our ability to experience it. So let's keep that in mind. And the other is Revelation 4, 8 through 10. And that says, each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. If I saw that, it would absolutely scare me, even though I would know it was an angel. I'm just going to be honest. Um, so it says day and night, they never stop saying, holy, 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 <laughs> Lord God, the almighty, who was, uh, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. And from that, we just get this picture, right? Of how do I respond to the holiness of God? And worship is the answer, right? So we're gonna go through that just a little bit. Um, we have so many things in this series that we're going to go through, so I'm not going to dive too deep into that because uh, we have some future messages coming, right? So why did I choose these scriptures as my main scriptures? The first scripture, Proverbs 9 and 10, simply because to, God, to understand God's holiness, I have to have a healthy fear of the Lord, right? And so when we hear that term fear of the Lord, I think Sean has done an amazing job painting the picture of what it means to fear the Lord, right? It's a reverence for who he is. It's a respect. And it's not to say, whoa, I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid of X, Y, Z, but it's to have that that healthy and honorable reverence for who he is, right? And a respect that says, I honor God before I honor man, right? So keep that in your head. Second scripture, talking about the angels singing, holy, 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 right? That to me is um, a, it shows us the significance of God's holiness, right? When we see things in that threefold repetition, holy, 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 it's significant, right? It tells us um, that something is being emphasized and holy, 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 when we're talking about the Lord, it emphasizes his absolute separateness of himself, right? So he's separate from all things, absolutely separate. He is like no one else and no one is like him, right? So, um, so next I wanna kind of go into the definition of holiness. And I know we've heard holiness put as to be set apart. And that is 100% uh, correct, absolutely right. But I wanna dig a little bit deeper, right? I wanna take that a step deeper. So, um, and what I wanna say on God's holiness, cause that's where we're gonna go first. Um, it's hard to put God's holiness into words, yet it's simple because there are no words that can describe just how holy and how great and how mighty he is, but I'm going to try. Okay. So, uh, the definition that I came up with from word studies and all these different things, it simply says this, um, the absolute 
moral excellence and purity of God that unifies his attributes, okay? So the absolute moral excellence and purity of God that unifies his, his attributes and is expressed through his actions, which set him apart from all of creation, okay? So he's set apart again. Remember that holy, 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 absolute separateness, okay? So in short, holiness is the preeminent attribute of God, right? Preeminent um, because of his holiness, um, and that's just his nature to be absolutely set apart. He is perfectly good, perfectly righteous, perfectly true, perfectly one, although we know we say God is three and one, right? Father, son, and spirit. Um, he's perfectly one. He's perfectly just. He's perfectly merciful, perfectly grace, gracious, and perfectly unchanging. There's so many different ways to describe it, right? So let us make sure we understand there's never been a time that God was not holy because holiness is essential to God being God, right? So keep that in your head. When we think of God, holiness, it's who he is. It's what he does. It's his absolute uh, separation from creation uh, as creator, okay? So I love how Jackie Hill Perry put it. I know we have some Jackie Hill Perry fans in here, so I love to throw a good quote in from my sis, okay? So she says, to say that God is holy is to simply say that God is God, okay? So keep that in your minds. Um, so his holiness cannot be duplicated and is unmatched by anything created, okay? So we, sh we don't even have to strive to be holy, right? We do pursue holiness, but when we come into Christ, right, we are made holy by his sacrifice and we're gonna go into that later. So we are stewarding our holiness. We are not striving for it because it is a gift and it is already done. Once we receive Christ, we receive and sit in our place, right? Uh, where he's called us holy, where he's made us holy, uh, we understand then that we don't have to strive. So, however, we need to understand that God's holiness cannot be duplicated, right? And it is unmatched by anything created. So while we are image bearers of God and we carry his attributes, we are not God, right? So I want to read two scriptures real quick, Exodus 15 and 11. It says simply, Lord, who is like you among the gods? who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders. And then 1 Samuel 2 and 2 says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Simply put, he's holy, he's separate, he's not like us, right? But I, I, I find joy in knowing that I carry his image, right? So um, I want to give a couple synonyms. Um, I love that Elaine did this the other day. So I had to uh, do the same thing. Uh, thanks, sis. So synonyms for holiness, right? Sacred, righteous, uh, moral, separate. We've already talked about that. Pure, innocent, clean, spotless, revered, reverenced, hallowed. So when we uh, when we pray that Lord's Prayer, how Jesus taught us how to pray, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, right? So the next time that you uh, recite the Lord's prayer, when you're meditating on it, remember his holiness. And I love that. Um, so now I want to dive into a couple scriptures, um, a couple more scriptures, because we're going to be deep in some scripture, okay? Uh, so Genesis 2, 1 through 3. And I, wanna, I want us to get uh, four things from this. So uh, because God is holy, uh, he produces holiness, right? Because God is holy, 
he produces wholeness or completeness, right? Because God is holy, he produces goodness. Um, because God is holy, he produces closeness. So um, from these scriptures, that's what I kind of want us to get from that. So Genesis chapter two, verses one through three, it says this. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were created. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it, he rested from all his work of creation. Now there's one more scripture I want to read before I go into those points. From God's holiness came perfection. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says that everything was complete. So when we look at the definition of complete, it is done, it is finished, it is whole, right? And for God to do it because he is God, because he, had, it, he is holy, it means it is in perfect uh, completion, right? So Deuteronomy 32, three through four says this, for I will proclaim the Lord's name, declare the greatness of our God, the rock is his, his work is perfect. All his ways are just a faithful God without bias. He is righteous and true. Okay. So from Genesis two, one through three though, right? We know that it says that he made the, he, he declared the seventh day holy. Things are complete because he is holy, right? Um, and we see this picture of wholeness, not only creation outside of humanity, but humanity as well, right? So when it comes to holiness, he makes creation holy because creation is from his being. It, it was simply spoke, right? It is, it is part of who he is to create. So let's keep that in our minds. From holiness comes holiness. It cannot come from anything else, right? Wholeness and completeness. God is complete in who he is and he is God and he is holy. And I'm going to keep reiterating that he is God and he is holy. You're going to get tired of hearing it today, but by the time we leave today, you will be uh, declaring every single day in Jesus name that God is God and he is holy. Okay. So he makes creation complete and whole. The scripture says uh, everything in them, and that's the heavens and the earth was complete. Okay. So from holiness comes completeness and, or same difference, wholeness, right? Goodness. Um, so we know that each day as God was creating, he called it good. So from holiness comes goodness, right? Because as we talked about, uh, the preeminence of God's other attributes is the fact that he is holy. Okay. So from his holiness comes goodness, um, holiness produces goodness. Um, so now I want to read Genesis three and eight real quick. And we know Genesis three documents the fall of mankind, right? It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the, uh, the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So what this tells me is that at one point in time, man was very close to God. There was a closeness, right? Um, so for, with closeness, we understand that he intended for his close, for his holiness to be experienced, right? So he, you know, scripture doesn't necessarily say he walked hand in hand with man, but from Genesis three and eight, um, as they're hiding because they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, it, it gives us an image of closeness. It gives us an image of his, his holiness could be experienced, right? So his intended will was for us to actually experience day to day his holiness, right? So from holiness comes closeness to God. 
Um, and obviously we know man sins. I'm not going to go through all of Genesis 3, but I want us to take a quick look at Genesis 3, 23 to, through 24. And I want us to see what sin did to all of these things that God intended, right? So Genesis 3, 23 to 24 says this. So the Lord God sent him away from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay. So what did sin do to creation and what did it destroy? Right. So it destroyed humanity's created nature, which was holy, right? Being enticed by the enemy and giving into that, that is what sin does. Um, humanity's closeness to God, right? Creation's closeness to God. So we know that sin destroys that closeness and it creates distance. And we'll see that in the Old Testament. We're gonna take a quick journey through the Old Testament to kind of see some of these things, right? So humanity's wholeness and completeness, right? That was bred, that was produced, from God's holiness is also destroyed, right? In our sin, we are not complete. We are often looking for things in the world. We're looking for money. We're looking for relationships. And it's not to say those things are bad. That's not what I'm saying. But when we put them on the throne of our hearts above God, that is when they become bad. That is when they become uh, idols, obviously. And we are not whole. And it is only Christ. It is only our God, right? That can make us whole and complete. So because of sin, um, at that moment, our wholeness and our completeness uh, was essentially destroyed, right? And the last thing, so humanity's ability to be good, right? So um, when we were, when humanity, I'm saying we as if I was there, right? But when humanity, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of that garden, um, life likely wasn't good. And it was hard for them to produce anything good because they were outside of God, right? And it's not to say that he no longer loved them. It's not to say that he no longer cared. He no longer saw them as his created, his most prized possessions and created beings, but our ability to be good, to do good, right? Uh, was destroyed. So we need to understand that that's what sin does. And even today in Christ, we have to come to that realization that is, it is only by Christ that we can be good. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that later. But in that, I want us to be encouraged. There's always encouragement, right? So Genesis 3 and 15 says this, and this is the New King James Version translation. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So God always had a plan, right? And so all of creation would be restored to its original nature. Um, and that's holy, that's holiness. And we got to understand that sin, no, it, it not only corrupted humanity, but it corrupted the earth, right? And we see that throughout scripture. We see that today in our world. And so we have to understand just how serious sin is. And I know that we hear this in church often, right? Don't sin, don't do this. But when we understand just how destructive it is attached to understanding the holiness of God and his intended will for his creation, it becomes very real and it grieves us, right? So uh, I love that God immediately was like, immediately was like there's a plan and there's going to be a man, right? Your seed will bruise his head uh, and the enemy's seed would bruise his heel, right? So let's keep that in mind. I don't want to beat a dead horse. So we can get excited about that, right? We know that the holiness of Christ would one day restore and redeem holiness, closeness, wholeness, and goodness of all things, right? Um, and I love that when we think of 
Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, I see this picture of us being able to get close to God again, right? Scripture tells us when we see the son, we see the father. And that to me is restoration, um, especially those that got to walk with him, right? And we have the Holy Spirit who brings us close, right? Who draws us near to God. And so Emmanuel, God with us, the savior of the world would restore all these things that sin corrupted, that sin destroyed, that the enemy tried to take forever, right? So that's something we can get excited about. And I love that. Okay. So now we're going to take this journey uh, of this holiness journey through the Bible. Okay. Um, and first I want to start with Moses. We love Moses. I mean, Moses lived a good life. Great example uh, of what it means to follow God. Um, so let's start at Exodus chapter three, one through six, and I'm going to read it real quick. It says, meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered, do not come closer. He said, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the Lord, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So there's three things that I really want us to pay attention to here. First, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him out from the bush. So here we understand that there was an invitation for Moses to draw near, right, to God in his holiness, in his splendor, in his glory, through the burning bush, right? So even today, we need to understand that because of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, God invites us to encounter his holiness and to be holy because he is holy, right? So remember, again, and we're going to get to this later, holiness is only produced by holiness. So the next thing I want us to look at, do not come closer. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy ground. So here we understand what that distance looks like, right? At one time, Adam and Eve were in the garden, likely very close to God, right? Um, but here, do not come any closer. Remove your sandals. This is holy ground. And what I got from this is that he had to cautiously approach and could not get any closer because God said so, right? <clears throat> so in the presence of a holy God, humility is necessary. Don't come closer, right? Obey what I'm telling you to do. Even if I think I'm holier than thou or more righteous than thou and I can approach as I want to, Moses was obedient here, right? So remember that distance that we talked about that sin created between God and man. This is a perfect example. So an approach of reverence, right, was necessary uh, for Moses to approach God because God is holy, right? God said, this is holy ground. So approach with reverence. And so we have to understand that as we are doing things for the Lord, as we are attempting to draw near to him, yes, we have that freedom. We have um, that spiritual freedom to approach the Lord in all honesty and all authenticity. But we have to remember that we serve a holy God, right? 
So let's keep that in mind. Um, Moses obliged. That's the bottom line. He stopped. He took his sandals off. So we have to approach God in that same manner with reverence, with curiosity, right? Because it says here, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. So there was a curiosity that enticed Moses to draw near to God, right? And in obedience. That is how we approach, right? And the last thing I want to hit on from this uh, part of the text is Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God, right? So when we realize, right, that we are face to face with God, there's something about encounters with God and his holiness um, that allow us or that uh, give us that ability to fully experience our own holiness, right? Our own uncleanness. But again, remember Jesus, right? So Obviously, at this point, Jesus had not walked on the scene. Jesus um, was a part of creation, right? He was with God. We understand that. But at this point, they did not know Jesus, right? Jesus had not died on the cross. So to encounter God's holiness is literally to fully experience our own unholiness and clean and own uncleanness. But we have to remember again that we are made holy in Christ. So we don't have to feel ashamed or feel condemned in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not repentant or we don't repent, right? Because we, when we approach the throne of God, we should come with repentant hearts, right? We should come in that place where Lord, um, I repent for my sins so that I can fully experience who you are. Um, so let's move on to Exodus 19. So now we're going to talk about the Israelites going to read from Exodus 19, nine through 15 real quick. And then Exodus 20, 18 through 20. I know this is a lot of scripture, but I want us to get a picture of what God's holiness is and how serious he takes his nature, right? So Exodus 19, nine through 15, this is what it says. The Lord says, said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds in a long blast, may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain uh, to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain from sexual relations. Exodus 20, 18 through 20, it's real short. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. Do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Okay. So what do we get from this? To approach and experience God, God's holiness requires preparation, right? So in their case, in the Israelites' case, this was physical, right? So under the law, they did a lot of tangible things. They did things like uh, offering sacrifices, right? Consecrating themselves, washing their clothes. They prepared themselves physically, right? 
Um, but from this, we understand that because the holiness of God was going to ascend on this mountain, on Mount Sinai, the mountain was not to be touched. And that lets us know that God takes his nature seriously. Um, and I think that unfortunately, a lot, and I love the church. I don't like when people speak against the church at all. But one thing as believers we have to understand is that in Christ, um, we get an understanding of God's nature, but we have to take serious that nature. And that's only made possible through a fear of the Lord. If we do not fear the Lord, we will not take serious who he is. And that can be very dangerous, right? Um, so for us as um, believers that are in Christ, how do we prepare, right? Reverence begins in our hearts and then it's in our actions, only made possible through Christ and yielding to the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so we must prepare ourselves to experience God's holiness so we can properly revere him. How do we do this? Practical ways, right? Studying our word, going into the secret place, right? Meditating on the word, speaking in a spiritual language, right? That is our, we are, we are building up our spirit, man, when we do that, right? Allowing the spirit to change us from the inside out with an understanding that I cannot change myself. I cannot change my own heart right? I have to come before the throne of God with a repentant heart, but knowing it's, it's the fact that we should know I can approach God because of what Jesus did. That is what the blood allows us to do. And we have to understand we get to, we, we have the opportunity to experience this every single day, right? So how are we preparing to experience his holiness, right? Keep that in mind. Reverence requires the fear of the Lord and knowledge of his nature and character. Proverbs 9 and 10 tells us that, okay? And we read that at the beginning. Um, another quick example of the seriousness that God takes of his nature is in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. And this is when Uzzah touches the Ark of the Covenant because it was about to fall, right? And, and in that passage of text, it simply said that the Lord's anger burns against irreverence, right? So he was trying to do a good thing. Um, but still, when we don't have that reverence for God being holy, right? For recognizing that I can't approach any type of way. Um, not saying that there's not freedom again, but not understanding that I can't approach, I can't approach this any type of way. It becomes very dangerous for us when we get into a place of irreverence. So Proverbs one and seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. And we already read Proverbs nine and 10. So now I want to look at Isaiah real quick, and then we're going to get into Jesus. A couple quick points there, and we are out of here, okay? Thank you for sticking with us. So Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, and I'm reading from the English Standard Translation. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting uh, upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, and this is Isaiah speaking now, right? Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, that his touch, he has, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So this is Isaiah's encounter. This is right before um, Isaiah's prophetic um, calling begins, right? As a prophet of the land, this is him getting into uh, that role as prophet. And so he's encountering the holiness of God here, very similar to Moses. So in seeing and experiencing even a fraction of God's holiness, he became well aware of himself. He literally calls himself, I am of unclean lips, calling himself unclean. And he recognizes his, his sinful nature. Through Christ, we're made clean and we're made holy. Con condemnation is not our portion, right? But in this time, and even now, we have to understand that compared to God, we are not as holy as he is, right? We are not on the same level as God. We are image bearers, but we have to recognize the holiness of God and how serious he takes it, right? Uh, I want us to note one thing, right? So the seraphims worship in reverence for God, right? And one thing that I got as I read Revelation 4, 8 through 10, and even looked at the seraphim here in their posture of worship is that... Be, being constantly in the presence of God, it's going to produce a reverence for his holiness, right? So the angels revere the holy of holies, like the Lord, right? The Lord of heavenly hosts. And we saw that in Revelation 4, where um, their nature is to sing holy, 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 right? Being in the presence of God produces that. And so the more that we spend time in his word, in his presence, in prayer, in worship, right? We will, we will naturally gain that reverence, um, also requiring a fear of the Lord, right? Um, so how can we respond to his holiness? I think the angels show us perfectly, and that is through worship, right? Okay, so we're out of the Old Testament. Let's hop into the New Testament really quickly. So holiness of Christ. So when Christ enters the scene, um, one of the things I want us to understand, and I said this earlier, is that only holiness can produce holiness. So if you ever wondered why God had to impregnate Mary through the Holy Spirit, it's because only holiness can produce holiness. So had a man uh, been the natural father, right, of Christ, he could not have been called holy because man at this point um, had not been fully atoned for, right? Um, so let's, let's keep that in mind. And I love that Matthew one through 23, this is what it says. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to, call, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So we, we are now seeing this gap that sin created slowly being bridged together, right? Um, so through Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection, the gap is sealed, right? Um, keep that in mind. So Jesus is described in multiple places as, as holy in the New Testament. If we ever questioned his holiness, his ability to make us holy, 1 Peter 1 and 19 says this, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. So remember those synonyms we talked about earlier. He is spotless. He is unblemished, right? He is perfect. He is separate. Um, Hebrews 7, 26 through 27 says this, for this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Uh, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do. 
first for their sins, then for those of the people. He did this once and for all when he offered himself. So if you ever questioned that you were holy, right? When you entered Christ, because it is Christ who makes us holy. If you ever questioned your ability to be restored or to be redeemed or to be made new, this solidifies that. He did it once and for all, right? So the experience of God's holiness restored. Let's look at a couple scriptures, right? So one of the things we talked about earlier is that sin corrupted or it destroyed our ability to be holy as humans, right? So let's read Hebrews 10 and 10 because Jesus is restoring this thing, right? He's bringing it back around. So Hebrews 10 and 10, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Uh, that's Hebrews 10 and 10, um, if you didn't catch that, Kaya. Um, yep, there we go. So uh, for God's will uh, was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So it, again, if we're if we're kind of like, eh, I don't know, I feel like I have to strive. I feel like I have to be works based and trying to claim my holiness. Yes, we do works, but works are not how we are made holy. Hebrews 10 and 10 proves that. Um, so because of Jesus, we can now experience God closely again in all, well, not in all his holiness and glory, because we know scripture says that man cannot see God face to face and live, right? But we can experience his holiness, how he sees fit because of Christ. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians 2 and 13. This is New Living Translation as well. It says this, but now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I love to praise your name, right? Boom, bow. Let's move on, okay? So completeness and wholeness. If you ever thought that you couldn't be complete and whole, uh, I wanna read something else to you. Let me prove it to you, okay? I don't want you to just take my word for it. Take the Lord's word for it. Colossians 2, nine through 10, this is what it says. Through, uh, for in Christ uh, lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also made complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority, right? Okay, so boom, bow. We have been restored to holiness. We have been restored in our closeness. We have been made complete and whole, but can we be good, right? Romans 5 and 1, uh, our goodness is restored. And Romans 5 and 1 uh, in the message translation says this, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted for uh, to do for us, he set us right with him. He made us fit for him. Now, when he created mankind, he called us good. So in our completeness, in, the, in Jesus' ability to make us whole, we are set right with him. We are made fit from him. For ha we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus, okay? So be encouraged. I think it's so encouraging to know that Jesus is our gateway to restoration and redemption uh, to who God created us to be, right? So key takeaways, and then we're done. And I'm gonna hand it back to Kaya. I have five. Uh, and I'm not, it's just real simple. God's nature is holy. If you don't remember anything from today, because we did, a, we went through a lot of scripture. We did a lot here. Uh, we dug pretty deep and it's going to take us some time to uh, really understand this and marinate. Um, God's nature is holy, simple, right? 
Um, the second one, holiness is essential to unity with God. How am I made holy? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Okay. That is how we are made holy. That is how we are brought back into perfect unity with God, right? Uh, the fruit of fearing the Lord is understanding of his nature. The fruit of fearing God, uh, fearing the Lord is understanding his nature, right? And that Proverbs 1 and 7, Proverbs 9 and 10, it wasn't me that said it, okay? It was it was it was the Lord. It wasn't me. Uh the fourth thing, only through Jesus is our holiness restored. I'm not going to beat a dead horse because uh Hebrews 10 and 10 already said it, okay? And we know that even in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh be holy for I am holy. He wouldn't tell us to do something that we couldn't do through him, right? Um and the last thing, worship is our response to God's holiness. So my friends, my family, I'm so glad that y'all joined us today. Um, if you want my notes, I'm more than happy to share them. Um, leave your email, send me a text, put it in the group me, whatever you need. Um, and let's continue to pursue holiness. Um, I love y'all and I thank y'all for sticking with us. And Kaya, back over to you, my friend, my sister. Great work. Can we give Angie some flowers, some fires, some 100s in the chat, please? You did an amazing job, sis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me go ahead and stop recording really quick.